It's I want to talk about Dota for a while on this podcast, actually. March 26, 2014. This is Idle Thumbs 151. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. Uh, thank you guys for listening to last week. It was a spectacular episode. It was great to have uh, both Nick and Steve on the show at the same time. You all heard the new theme for the first time. So um, <laughs> thanks again to everyone who helped out with that. It sounds great. Still loving it. <laughs> Marquee episode. Cool. Landmark episode. It was one of the, one of the best. It's set up Idle Thumbs... 151 bacardi 151 which we're all drinking jesus in honor of this 151st episode episode. yeah this is one way to get over uh sort of depression and grief i was quiet for a minute because i was i was more i was taking a moment of silence for episode 150 oh yeah i was stepping on it i know that's okay it's your way (laughs) my way is to step on it yeah, we should have um, Major Bueno make a game about the loss of Idle Thumbs 150. They probably would. Yeah, they're cool. They've probably already made it. Actually, now yeah. this has been now that, between you starting that sentence and finishing it. That game well, has in fact been I made mean, and shipped. Certainly, in between the time that we record this, we could immediately right now go and send Myas a message and say, "Please make us a game about 150." And he would be capable, fully capable. He and what Benedict. Would yeah. fully be capable yeah. of did, did you guys creating it. Did you guys play their weird cat posing game that was at the GDC no, at the Wild Rumpus thing? Yet. Okay, none of us have played it. If you don't know who Major Bueno are, though, it's a guy named Marius and a guy named Benedict who are from Germany. Germany. Somewhere in Germany. Somewhere in Germany. High in the mountains of Germany. Where they, last year, made a game a month for 12 months. Yeah, and they're generally, like, single mechanic, obviously, uh, flash inspired ish. No, there's a flash game. There's there are flash games. Flash, oh, okay, yeah. cool. Um, that are actually pretty great, and you should check them out. Yeah, they we, made one called Caesar's Day Off. That was probably my favorite one, and they just put out one here. The visit. The visit oh, we the talked visit. about on when it yeah. came out. Actually, mm-hmm. we did indeed. But uh, they made a game at GDC this year that was about posing cats. Yeah, posing like weird cats. dance cats striking poses or something. They I made. Think it. They made two GDC games this year because they also made one about. One of the like kind of um, crowd sort of sourced conferences that ran parallel to GDC. I think it might have been Lost Levels. I can't remember. But they made another. They made another game also the week where you like have to inspire indies to make games, and that was the game that they made. They don't need inspiration. Indies don't. No, Major Bueno. Well, I know. I know they don't. They're not short on it. I know they're not. Anyway, those guys are cool. And if you search for Major Bueno, they're probably the only thing that's called that on the internet so you'll probably find them pretty yeah easily. good name 
Yep. Maya's, Maya's, um, I guess we've all sort of worked with Maya's kind of because we all definitely have. He worked at, he was, uh, at Telltale for what, like six months or so? Gosh, it felt like forever. Like I thought year. he was there for a year. <laughs> it might have been yeah. six months. Yeah. He was, he was at yeah. Double Fine for a while after that, working on Broken Age. Uh, now he's back in, in Germany making weird games still. He's a good man. He ended up in both of those positions in ways that when people go, how do I get into the game industry? I go, this is the way. This the, is a way. <laughs> this is a way. The first one was they made a, I wonder what's going to happen on Tales of Monkey Island, like oh, yeah. mini-sode that Telltale that. saw, thought was rad, commissioned them to make five of them to like promote the upcoming episode every month. And then thought they were too good to let go, so brought them in to be cinematic artists for six months to a year. Yeah, and then he got hired at Double Fine by making a really good adventure game. Mm-hmm. An adventure about, game about, about him, getting hired, about getting hired, him, at him interviewing a Double Fine the, in, the in classic was, LucasArts style. His 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 hire at me at Double Fine game was about him not getting the job, though. I think he was thrown out of the window or something. It was good. Oh, okay, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Yep. And then he made a God. He made the sequel to Hostmaster. Which is the game about Tim hosting? That was GDC one of his awards. monthly games. Oh, was it? Yeah, nice. Um, anyway, that guy's cool, and I, the other guy's also cool. Did you? I just don't know him very well. Segway. Uh huh. No segue. Segway would be if I was actually cleanly conju- like adjoining two right. topics. This is more of an idle thumbs seg. This is a hard right turn. Yeah. Um, into something that I want to talk about. Did you watch the Dota movie yet? Ah, uh, no, I haven't. Free to play. I have not watched it is free it. to watch on most outlets: Steam, YouTube, iTunes, International Tunes. You went to the San Francisco premiere. Oh, I went to the premiere. Dendi was there. Fear was there. Pretty good. I I was gonna go, but then I couldn't. Super so Giants Amir Rao ticket, was there, and I sold my ticket to Frank Lance, creator of Drop Seven and destroyer of my life for like a year. I don't. I did not see him. So that was. Cool. I also don't know him. So he's a good guy. I may have seen him. He's super smart. It was amazing. These, uh, well, the premiere was actually just silly and fun. It was at the Castro Theater here in San Francisco. Uh, it was it cracked me up that Ukrainian Dota Two Ultra Superstar uh, Dendi Daniel Yushtin, I think is his name, um, rolled up in a stretch Hummer. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Oh man! So good. Hilarious. So good. Hilarious. <laughs> He's so nice. What's funny is he seems like a really nice guy. I mean, who knows? They right? did a Q and A afterwards. It's like yeah. pretty typical when you go to one of these things where you're like, "Oh God, here we go." And the first question this guy came up and said, "You know, I know Ukraine's been in the news a lot lately, like geopolitically." And I was just wondering how that's like either if that's impacted your life or like could have any impacts on your like professional career or anything like that. And if yep. anything bad were to happen to Ukraine, and there was sort of this like collective sigh where everybody's like, "Oh my God," not sigh but like oh, exhale, where it was like, "Oh my God, it's a good question." Like, that's a really good question. Oh, you mean, like, among the audience? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because we were all like, oh, my God, that's, like, really, like, super pointed, like, Uh on topic. Like, this is a question that you couldn't really ask this guy in any other forum. Right. And I want to hear what he has to say. Uh, The questions went downhill from there. To the point where they do some not questions. Like, oh, yeah. They were straight up Chris Farley guy. Like, Like, do you remember the time in International 2? Oh, my God. When, like, like, IG was... um, Yeah, they were pretty bad. What did he say about the Ukraine thing? So this is a good like little glance into Dendy's personality. Super affable, really silly guy. Uh-huh. He starts talking and he goes, "Oh, it was so difficult actually when I left my apartment. Like they like rushed us to the car because there was like all of a sudden there was gunfire for some reason." 
and then we get into the car and we like zoom to the airport and we go through these checkpoints and everything's really intense. And then I see like these people getting thrown up again. And he tells this whole story and he goes, we get into the airplane. I'm like, and everybody's just like, Jesus Christ. He goes, we get into the 747 and then I look out as we're taking off on the tarmac and there are guys there with the rocket launchers and they shoot these rockets at the plane and we like dodge the rockets and we, we get here and we're fine. And there's this sort of, everybody's just like, all wound up like a thousand people in this theater are all like what the fuck and he's like i am kidding everything is fine <laughs> he's like it, is, it does not affect my life at all <laughs> exactly and there's this sort of this nervous laughter but he's he was one of the only people i can think of who could pull it off like right. it was a well landed the joke well. landed like pretty pretty yeah. perfectly yeah, yeah yeah but um and the movie does a really good job i think of highlighting his like the, the three guys that follows are uh, Dendi from Navi, uh, a guy named Fear, who was originally on a team called Online Kingdom, but is uh, now doing something on another team, or maybe alone. I don't know. And then uh, a guy named HYHY, who was on a team called Scythe, but he's now like, I think he might be in the military right now, or he just kind of came back and is on a new team. But he's from Singapore. So a guy from America, a guy from the Ukraine, a guy from Singapore, and they follow their lives and talk to their parents and just sort of like figure out like what sort of has compelled them to be like those three guys, especially at the time of the filming of the, of the movie are probably three of the best in the world. Like definitely three of the best in the world. Like maybe the three best. Um, there's obviously other people who are like in the conversation at that time, but uh, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting because their neuroses are so different and where they come from is so different. The relationship with their parents is so, so different. And uh, it's a really a delightful movie. I've seen it twice now. I watched it at the premiere, and then I, uh, my wife wanted to watch it for some reason. Wow. Yeah, and she really liked it. Like, um, That's interesting. And they do a really interesting thing that I think Jake will might appreciate, which is... I will or might appreciate. I will or might appreciate. Um, they obviously they follow the tournament over the five days of the International One. And they also do a really good job of couching how insane a million dollar prize pool was in an esports tournament when they announced it. Mm-hmm. They really do a good job of like, because so much has changed between international one and international four will be this, this summer. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. I thought it was three coming up. No, three was Jesus. last year. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So like they've done a good, they do a good job of just sort of like really couching it in that very like, like, um, specific moment. Cause the moment right. changed. Um, but they also do a good job, I think, of making the Dota play relatively accessible. They don't try to like unpack the various mechanics. They simply say, it's five on five, destroy the other team's base, and it has a complexity level that goes all the way to like something like chess. It's like, very, very complex. They just set it up really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's then, cool. because they show the actual tournament, uh, they have a lot of, like, what is ostensibly in-game footage but it's sort of tilt shift shot and it has like the character it has like new ui so you're like this is like here's fear so you think versus just, like rolling through demo like the demo recording of the th- possibly of the so they like, have like really like nice looks like in-game footage where you're seeing the action like and you only see it for like they must three have or four seconds data of course you, if they stream in client yeah you could still well, go you could watch international one in yeah. client right now but then as like big moments happen it blends relatively seamlessly to a stuff that's essentially made in Source Filmmaker because huh. it looks like Whoa, a what? fucking TF2. <laughs> like it looks like an ama- it looks like a Pixar film. So it's like you're watching like this guy chase another guy down, and then it'll the camera will like swoop and then maybe cut, and you see 
like 1080p beautifully rendered like Pixar style animation of like the kill and then like him moving on to get to the next guy. Weird. So it tells Weird. the but the thing that I does like it about it well? I think it does. I think there's probably a lot of debate and I'm sure I'm getting yeah, an sure. email that's like you're an idiot. But the thing that I think is good about it from his filmmaker's perspective is that they don't they really knew not to get too caught up in the bullshit of the game because this the drama is who's going who wins and who loses and what yeah. that means to their lives. So by blending into the source filmmaker footage, it's more they well, it shows you what it feels like. It's more exactly than what right. That's I exactly think, what I was yeah, going to say. It's interesting because that's like yeah. if you were doing a documentary about a sporting event and you didn't have replay footage, but it was like the most monumental event in the history of that sport. One route that a, a documentary director would go would be to pay an animation team to animate a recreation of it right. based on like baseball box scores or whatever. Right. And it's interesting because in this they have a pixel perfect replay of exactly what happened, but that's not necessarily the most like filmic or like audience digestible way of presenting that information. Right. So it's not it's not historically true, but it's like emotionally true, which right. I think is the place yeah. where everyone gets mad about uh, that bridge in documentary films. But that's interesting. Because yeah. they talk about this moment that like there's a very specific moment in the um international one in the final where dendy lands just like an amazing um skill on somebody like he uses his ultimate in a way that like basically wins them like starts to win it's like they turns the tide of the match and i was comparing it the next day to um being at the international two when um dendy when a navi turned this in, this insane like um team fight against uh, ig and i was like oh and i actually showed the moment to amelia on my ipad and she was like well that was indecipherable and it is like it's even to like somebody an expert you look at it and you're like whoa like all these things happen at once but it was also the one that i think i've mentioned on this cast was slowed down to like oh yeah that's oh yeah i was a thousand frames per second yeah that was great yeah it's, and uh, we watched it and i was like this is happening and this is happening and this is happening and she was still at the end of it she's like wow okay i don't know anything i that was five minutes <laughs> it's, gone <laughs> it's interesting because i think there's there's actually a lot of power for some people maybe not for amelia but in seeing in that they have the historical record of that moment and that they have the ability to go and ask hundreds of people thousands of people who are alive what it felt like to see that and get a response but then to not be able to show people as a tool what all these people see is different than what you see, but right. it has meaning to them. And instead saying, you know what? We're not going to show you what they saw and what had meaning to them. We're going to show you an artist's interpretation that will have symbolic meaning to you, but we're not going to show you the actual footage. That's a potential loss. But I mean, that's also just, it's it seems like that's the though, choice right? they made. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a difficult problem because it's like, it'd be like, um, it makes the movie about something else. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be like, uh, if you could only, if you could interview, um, you know, a thousand people about what what it was like to be there when like JFK got shot, but they all spoke a different language. You know, you'd have to get like a translator, and I guess that's sort of similar that some things are lost in translation. But it well, feels like the like the CG animation is like translation. Their enthusiasm I, being palpable is the thing that's interesting. Like the emotion would carry through even if you didn't understand all of the nouns. If if it yeah, was just yeah, people yeah, saying yeah. "Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit!" and then what you see is this just like of like two guys <laughs> playing some animations that kind of connect, and yeah. then some particles come up. I think that's that's interesting. I mean, but I that think, might be a completely I different think the, film. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I I mean I think. I'm curious to watch this and I'll, I'll be curious to see how that feels to me as someone who kind of understands the game, but, but not really, you know, yeah. not really, not like you. 
or or fucking anyone who plays it really. But um, to me, it sounds like almost an implicit acknowledgement that something like this just is not and probably will not in the near future actually be a mainstream thing. Right. You know what I mean? What's funny you, is because the movie because goes – takes – like makes grand overtures to the contrary. Like it's like fucking international – like 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 professional gaming is fucking here. This is right. like – this but is I mean, bigger than football in five years. But that just yeah. means that if that happens, you can't ever go back and watch this documentary w- unless they recut it or something. But I mean like mm-hmm. this documentary as a a work or like as a record of these events, like – is always going to have the version of it that assumes the person watching it doesn't have that context or knowledge or understanding. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't, you know, that, that's sort of like, like maybe it isn't terrible. I'm just saying that. sort of like applying intent to why they put the like source filmmaker footage in. You know, I think it's probably equal parts communication, but I think Jake made a good point that I was, uh, that I agreed with um, about the source filmmaker footage actually just communicates what that moment feels like to play better than the actual game footage can do, which I think is interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, I don't know. It's, it depends on the execution. Cause like, I mean, yeah. arguably it's so. It's like the difference between watching like it, NFL footage that it would, they would show on TV versus like NFL films footage, which is like guys mic'd up and they have these amazing 1080p, like red cameras on the sidelines that, sh- that catch stuff in the game right. that you would just, it, it is cinematic. But like it is, the, uh, the film, the documentary King of Kong is all about Donkey Kong, which is an incredibly digestible game. So they don't have to obscure anything, but it's still people like the story of that game or of that film mm-hmm. is about people's passion for a thing that for most people is just a blinky noise in a bar. Right. And they don't, they don't have to guess it up because the objective is so simple. Right. But That's a good point. Yeah. Like I mean, that, I guess, you know, sorry, if you right. get into Donkey Kong because mm-hmm. of whatever reason, that movie, it's meaning it doesn't, doesn't change it actually probably becomes deeper because of that and that's probably true for dota it just seems that it's just yeah. in a different way i think valve just likes doing trying weird things i, I yeah. I, yeah who knows though right like i mean yeah we got to see it who, yeah I, i'm curious to see it as well but even but even if we see it that doesn't tell us what the intent was you know sean saw it and he yeah. doesn't know what their intent you know what's was. funny is but, i fucking I sat gonna... there and i thought about asking the question in the theater but i was i didn't want to be a question <laughs> pariah <laughs> so you know what i mean <laughs> i was like okay. i should have just waited until the until the quality of question had deteriorated to such a degree that you could only be... That's right. But like, remember they were like shutting free? it down. Just kidding. Like, yeah. Just kidding. What yeah. I actually want to know is what, why... What, <laughs> the creative choice of that. Yeah, like, it choice. kills me that I didn't ask the question. Yeah, you, well, you but also, know, you look over the line is crazy with all... Like, you also you know, know multiple human beings who could probably find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's maybe a weird... I just didn't want to get in the line. I know, animals. but I'm not saying at the line. I'm saying <laughs> now in your life. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I just feel like a missed opportunity, though. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the thing that usually you, when you, cause there, obviously there are lots of documentaries about things that are more complex than the person watching it is likely to understand. That's why you is the most complicated thing ever created by man. I mean, that's probably not. I saw a documentary about the Cuban Missile Crisis. It was like fucking nothing. They replaced it all with like, it was like, it was like, it was like somebody like reading me Goodnight Moon. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's probably closer to true than it is to being false, right? But anyway. The documentary about the Large Hadron Collider actually just uses footage from Half Life. Well, what I mean is that. (laughs) (laughs) So that it's digestible. Uh, It's a source filmmaker uh, version of Half Life -Life 1. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Black Mesa source footage was included in the large head run collider uh, documentary. What I mean, what I mean though, is that uh, um, there are lots of documentaries about things that are too complex to represent without any 
other AV presentation, but usually that just takes the form of like a bit of the thing in question and then a longer shot of like the crowd leaping to their feet or like a tear running down a guy's eye or like what, you know, like they sell the emotional moment through other things that are there, but like just the thing that shows you what other humans, how other humans react to it. Right. You know what I mean? Which I mean, Valve just has this crazy technology that they can do. There are some shots and it's crazy because we can stop talking about this, but the thing that you, um, remember about the international one is a they didn't expect it to be very big because it was just at gamescom in cologne like it was at the fucking show yeah, right 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 i'll talk um, about this yeah and the teams sat in soundproof booths but had to face each other through a glass wall whoa which you don't really get because in you've been well now. they don't you've do that anymore no 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 they face they're basically no, they, they like they face the audience, audience now right? yeah, yeah like yeah. on stage which like it's sort of like definitely. yeah yeah that's true although there's a certain appeal to them being able to just see <laughs> no that's the appeal i have to move other. my mic because i'm gonna fucking knock it over if i do this but like to see like like uh dendy land something and then just stand up and just go what like fucking like <laughs> super eagle like like yeah. fucking wingspan in their face eagle, and then sit down uh, that's super eagle right there sorry, i just did I'm that referring to the never mind upsample technique the uh, <laughs> graphic smoothing routine popular in emulators yes. yeah jesus christ good <laughs> Then anyway. he got up and suddenly all he even though he was only rendered at, at regular VGA res, he was upsampled nicely. Yeah. To like an XGA compliant resolution. This was back when he was playing Warcraft One competitively. <laughs> in <You> DOSBox. Mean- <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. This is what Chris loves. Oh, it's what you, you love. Fucking too, so. guys. I do love it. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, Man, there's, there's a direction this podcast could go that it could only it would only be allowed to go if JP, if JP was on the episode yep. right now. Uh, we're gonna shut it down because he's not yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. JP, uh, it was good seeing it was good seeing you this weekend and your friend, but you're never going back on Absolutely. the con- <laughs> on the show no. because that could happen. No, uh, whoa, I could never be there for that. Because then we can talk about. I want to talk about it. God, I want to talk about it. <laughs> keep talking about your Dota movie. Yeah, we'll just. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. It was cool to see that though. But the thing is, oh, they did capture like these amazing character moments. Of just like raw emotion of people playing the game because of the way, completely based on how the um the international was set up, like just they wouldn't have been able to get these shots. I right, I yeah. really need to see it because the journey that I've taken about this stupid the stupid CG interpretation of Dota footage has been intense over this conversation. I want to know what you think. Yeah, now sure. I'm landing in a place where it going from gameplay footage to then like the characters coming to life. Sounds like it makes it feel more like a commercial for Dota to me than a documentary. The movie is definitely not a commercial for it's Dota. It's saying, yeah. okay, you've said two things about it that make me think it's a commercial. It has the angle that esports and things like the international are going to be bigger than the NFL in five years, which is propaganda. And it replaces the impenetrable moments with sweet CG action sequences, which is what a video game commercial does. It also shows that Dota it shows has human destroyed two of these guys' lives. Yeah, sure, but they're the outliers. They're not. No one would see that. Right, but that like, also is that now guy. like that that then feels uh, like military see the propaganda movie. where see it's the like the great sacrifice, the like, think, risk well, and reward. That was actually the closer was, I was, was I was gonna say is the movie I thought they did an outstanding job of making a good movie that did not feel like a commercial. Okay. At all. Well we'll we'll watch it and find out. So the movie's free. So you think in five years <laughs> like a commercial. It's fine, like a commercial. Right. Free to play, free I know, to watch. That's why it's like when it was free, like I actually thought about that. I was like, I was like, Oh, it's free, it's free. They should have charged a dollar. <laughs> they should have charged a fucking dollar. It's free. And how many Dota items did you get at the premiere? I did uh, at the premiere. Yes. 
to say. <laughs> some, some. <laughs> I got the free to play Valve Complete Pack, which is retails at like twenty dollars. Okay, I think. it's fine. So in five years, sick, sick set for Pudge. In five oh, years, so esports good. are going to eclipse the NFL and. Versus. But that's like the movie isn't saying that an interview with somebody in the movie. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. But the movie, the way the interview is framed, is sort of implicitly yeah endorsing. So it. the world- but I will say the movie feels like a documentary film. It feels oh, sure. like a captured story, yeah, not yeah. a presented story. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm sure. That's a good job. There's just one of two paths that reality can take. One of which is that movie comes true. The other is that the Castro screens free to play again in five years as a double feature with The Wizard. <laughs> I'd be fine with that. I'd I would also be fine with that right now. What, the, uh, how are those? Wait, how are those outcomes mutually exclusive? The wizard is not screened to hail the like uprising the- of the competitive Nintendo scene. It's it's an ironic look at a thing that did not ever actually uh, go anywhere, but was a product. of So its you time. think that movie can only be screen be screened in irony? There are elements of that thing that are not possible remotely to take g- genuinely for this instance is where you and i differ when Jacob. was the last time you saw the wizard <laughs> some years ago it did crush the life of that girl with the two ponytail and the glasses who just didn't quite make it in mario 3 when she was playing against the wizard and lucas the girl who came in third she looked very frustrated it didn't cut to her parents <laughs> um yeah maybe she was supposed to go to stanford yeah oh she's gonna use that nintendo competition money yeah just also, I can't remember if Lucas used the power glove in tournament play, but I don't know. He does oh, not. Okay, that, he does that not. I absolutely remember that. Absolutely not. Not a question. He does not. I think they use the big NES uh, Advantage controllers, though. So those are what the pros use. Hmm. That equates to like Razer peripherals now. I think. I love Razer. Yeah, we would love to have them as some, get involved with the Dota Today podcast in some fashion. <laughs> I'm fucking not kidding. A gaming event that used the production design of the end of the wizard would be probably the most fantastic you, competitive gaming uh, event. Someone could, the international is actually too classy compared to the end of the did. wizard. Way yeah, too classy. Yeah. You the, have to go though. We can't go this year because of the way the game schedule works out. But you, yeah, yeah, yeah you have to go. I, one day I will go to the international. One day I will go to Burning Man. Actually, Unfortunately, they are at the same time. So maybe I'll no, not. go to either. I'm going to do a Wombo combo next be. year. Oh my god, you're that guy. <laughs> Fuck wow. yeah! Wow. It's both the best and the worst that any human could aspire to. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're moving it. They're the moving. Oh, the they have they to separate yeah. the international. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they might change the theme a little bit. Unclear. The international? What do you mean the theme? What's the theme oh, of just, the international? Oh, just the the you know the aesthetic presentation. Oh, okay. do you mean it's not going to be classy and take place oh, in the symphony hall be, anymore? Well, it's definitely not going to take place. in the Yeah, symphony they can't hall. They fit everybody in the symphony hall. Because that was it going to go to a stadium? I think they're going to. What I would assume the only place in Seattle they could put it that isn't like where the Seahawks play is where the Seattle Supersonics used to play. Oh, there's a big basketball arena? Yeah, yeah. They could put it maybe in the UW basketball arena as well. That would be weird though. I think I think probably they would put it where the Seahawks the Supersonics used to play. That That's would, actually like, super interesting because the Dota tournament yeah. in a basketball arena immediately looks like a Korean StarCraft competition. Exactly right. Because yeah, like it's yeah. like if, if um But that tone is so different than like if Timberlake or no he would probably play at the football stadium. But you know what I mean? Yeah. If like a mid size pop act, like somebody yeah. who couldn't sell out the Century Link was gonna go to Seattle, they would put them there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they can get the Idle Thumbs Pikmin two competition in as like the opening act. <laughs> Uh, I know a guy who could talk to you about that. Can we that. be like the opening opening, like when no one's really quite there? Like the one guy with his guitar? You know they do that version? stuff, right? 
That's tough. At the international, they have openings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like the night before they'll do like hilarious like one v one tournaments and stuff like that, and like like they do all. Is it one v one where people are managing five lords? Because that no. I would watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, trick, where they've just no. got synergy running. So if just you move the mouse over, it controls the other screen. Wow. You can no, you yeah, can switch to other guys with tab. You can do that. You can switch to other guys. Switch with tab. Actually, you don't even fun. need to. You can just click on them. I want the one man band in the international five team setup just running around. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's oh, you mean they have to be on all machines? Yeah, the novelty act. That's what <laughs> I want. Yeah, totally. Like trick Dota. Yeah, it would just evolve to one v one because you would. It's it would be so disadvantageous. Not if they do it every year. Go. People would evolve that yeah, so they could get their get, act people in. People would get crazy at it. We'd get, get into that. like the like the Looney Tunes vaudeville audition uh, scenes where you know the guy brings in his dog who says "roof and rough" and then they and then walks out the door and says, "Maybe I should have said Dimaggio," but it'll be like or like the flea circus. You know that? Oh, oh whatever. Fuck off. <laughs> I didn't right. say anything. You just looked at me like I was insane. But I know what you're doing to me, and it is what we do to Nick Brecken sometimes. We just watch him continue to talk. Until he's ruined himself, as I have now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, we'll take a small break. Yeah. And then come back. Yeah. Okay. To, for the rest of this Dota Today episode. And this is, is a break. break. This is a break. So we'd like to thank one of our sponsors for this week. The AMC original series, Turn. It is a... 18th century spy drama set during the American Revolution, which looks pretty cool. Um, I think it looked from some of the featurettes we watched, it looked like it was some based on some sort of like nonfiction literature. But it's a story of uh, colonists building sort of an ad hoc spy network yeah. um, in the lead up of the American Revolution, uh, and it premieres on April sixth, April sixth, nine yeah. p.m on amc i think we've only seen uh as much of as anyone else we got yeah, we watched, we, we watched all the little featurettes and, like, and stuff on amc's features. site and i'm personally a sucker for espionage stuff and also for dramatized specific points in history so i'm definitely gonna check out the show it reminded um, me that there's less of this stuff in the u.s than there is in the uk yeah watching yeah. that like reminded me that this kind of like period kind of um period drama but it's also a genre work yeah it's exactly. very much yeah. like super common like it's still there. pop culture yeah, yeah yeah exactly so i don't know it'll be interesting to see how this turns yeah. out like it's yeah. definitely exciting. if this was on any other network it would have like a fucking like psychic in it <laughs> <laughs> anyway check it out it's uh april 6th at 9 p.m on amc it is turn. called turn 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 your heart turn <laughs> you know what i'm talking about is that some sort of Adam's Family rap? They do what they want to do, say what they want to say. That's what I thought it was. That's the Adam's Family. That's what I was hoping it was. <sighs> Mr. Hammer. MC Hammer. Martin Charles Hammer. Martin Charles Hammer. <laughs> Martin Chadworth. That's ridiculous. Oh, sorry. You're, you're right. Matthew Chadworth Hammer. <laughs> Matthew Carlton Hammer. Matherton. The name Matthew just reminds me of, of that Matthew. fucking asshole from. Just reminds me of a fucking from asshole. From Downton Abbey. Of Mr. Crowley. Yeah. Wait, Matthew, Matthew Crowley Hammer. Matthew Crowley Hammer. He's an asshole. He's a fucking chotch. Yeah. Yeah. He hooked us in with his romance story, then got hit by a car. That's not even the thing that pisses me off. It's when he gets out of that fucking chair. 
when he's like, I'm paralyzed, not. <laughs> I'm paralyzed, psych. Yeah, that was pretty stupid. <laughs> old timey phrase, psych. Like they used in the like they 1800s. Used in old times. 1922, or whatever the fuck that. She said from. not all the time. Not. Not. <laughs> We're totally being taken over by the Germans. Not. God, what do we talk about in episode one? World War One is over. Psych. <laughs> World War Two. Bummer. That's, I think that's exactly what Hitler yep. said before marching into oh Poland. God, it's like Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> when they talked about that when World War oh, II dude, was happening. Cowabunga. Yeah. Remember that time when Matthew Crowley got out of his chair and said Cowabunga? And ate a pizza. <laughs> and ate a fucking pizza, which was prepared by 20 chefs downstairs. And then they were like, how did you How did you get rid of your paralysis? He's like, it's the secret of the ooze. <laughs> yeah, Downton Abbey season two or whatever that was. Where did you learn to do, do those remember, roundhouse do kicks, Matthew? Do you remember in the title, title phrase supercut when Matthew Crowley said, it's the secret of the ooze? Of course. <laughs> Yeah, season two is the one where uh, they had to move down into the abandoned subway below Downton Abbey. Right. We yeah. learned to do roundhouse kicks. Yeah. Being taught to them by... Uh, by an animatronic Bates. rat. <laughs> by what? <laughs> by Mr. Bates. By Mr. Bates. <laughs> yeah. He had a cane, just like Splinter. Yeah, that's true. It all tracks, dude. Mr. Bates Fucking, was, he, was thing, just, he was just a regular rat, and then he touched the ooze and became a, a stuffy butler who looks like Doug Tobacco. Exactly right. <laughs> it's airtight, dude. Like Doug Tobacco. Huh? I've never observed that. He does look like Doug Tobacco. Oh, Mr. Bates could wow. be Doug. They share yeah. a brow. If people Doug did, has it, a more prominent face. Yeah. But they, they a share a brow. Like, if, if there was Mr. a Doug cosplay, be. like just a group of 20 people, and Doug was Mr. Bates, he would win. Mm. Fact. Unless a member of the cast of Don Abbey was there. Yeah. I guess I can see that. What? Oh man, whatever. Stern Doug is totally Mr. Bates. Wait, yes, Doug is just so. No, really not Mr. Bates. St- Fuck that. Doug is not Mr. Bates at all. Doug is Doug is Carlton, or Carlson. Whatever. Mr. Mr. Carlson. Oh, God, I thought you were like Carlson. Oh, <laughs> so no, Doug is Mr. Carson, one hundred percent. Sorry. There Who did go. I say? Bates. You said Mr. Bates. Who's Bates? Oh, Bates oh is, Carson Bates. is way closer. Yeah, yeah Bates is out the cane. You're right. I thought I when you said Bates, I thought of Carson as like the head of the house who is, sits down in the like no old timey Carson. Yeah, that could totally be Doug's no, that's old Doug a that's thousand Doug's percent. great uncle. Yeah, in like forty years. Yeah, yeah. that is Doug. Whoa, you just aged Doug further than I thought you did, and then I realized that we're thirty. Yeah, you're like what? <laughs> he's like, oh, in forty years, God, give the man a break. He's a young looking. He's a young man. Oh, when he's like 73. Oh, wait. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Bates. God, Doug and Bates have nothing in common. No. Yeah, Doug I, and Mr. I, Carson. I didn't though. realize. I was willing to give you some... Although they are, they, they are both... Um, Good they are men. both subject to fits of violent rage. They both have really... <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, um, Mr. Bates is a sick PHP programmer. That's, That's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they don't share that much. No. It, it was it wasn't really applicable in his time. Yeah, it dropped a bit of it in season three. But it was one of the skills that he had, along with um, when he re, when he like skullduggery. he does the Downton Abbey website in the fuel yeah. framework. Yeah, it was surprising when he revealed his database skills when he mentioned a left join that one time. He built a content <laughs> management system for crumpets. He did build that bell system. Oh, but that was uh, yeah. That's Mr. Carson again, not Mr. Yeah. Bates. Which the Doug, yeah. Doug, Mr. Carson looks like him, acts like him. How many people do you think turn on Idle Thumbs and go? I really hope they talk about Downton Abbey, which is a show that's not even in the zeitgeist right now. No, that show no, it kind of fell out of it. It kind of because itself. that show is bad. 
because that show was good. It was, it was never actually good. It was yes, good it was. for a season. season okay, season really one good. is good. The thing about it though is it's good in the way in in like when you watch season two and then three and then you start watching four, it makes you look back and think all of it. Is exactly, bad. it's like dating a girl who on like your third date is kind of rude to a waitress, and you're like, oh, she's you know, you kind of like dismiss it, and then because it goes well for like six or nine rude. months. And then she just gets progressively worse, and then you realize she was always just the rudest person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Downton Abbey might have always been bad, and it just hit it. Just hated that waitress. I don't know, man. I still really like season one. Yeah, you had good time season one, man. It's fine. (laughs) I'm sure you did. You guys went to the movies. Oh, so you preferred it back when all the cultural norms were in place, when uh, people were just under the thumb of a... Well, because it was about, like, mainly the interior drama, like... It, yeah. it was less impacted by just these weird Deus Ex Machina that like fucking zoomed in out of nowhere. Maybe like, that's I, their I think big that statement. actually How, was better. What, what did World War One do to British culture? It made it boring and ruined it. <laughs> Things were better before the war. They were like more dramatically interesting, sort of. Yeah, cleaner romances. Oh my god, that burned face guy didn't exist. God, fucking burned face guy. You guys want to do a? Are we going to hit the mid-roll now? Yep. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) Take a break. We'd also like to thank our second sponsor, the uh, album In Flux, which is put out by uh, a video game and like video game culture music label called Brave Wave. In Flux is a crazy album. When we heard about it, we sort of said, oh, like chiptune stuff. But then looking into it, it's a collaboration between a ton of people, both uh, sort of, they call it like an East Meets Eats. Wow. Eats, meets, meets? <laughs> they call it a meets, meets, meets. They call it an East meets West video game album. And it's not a compilation just in that it has music from a bunch of notable Eastern and Western composers. It's that they actually work together on a bunch of different tracks. Yeah. So there's a track on here from Jim Guthrie, whose music you probably know from Indie Game the Movie and Sword and Sorcery. Uh, but it also has, I'm going to butcher uh, his name, but it's, it's Akira Yamaoka, the guy who did the, all the Silent Hill music. Yeah, like that was crazy. I like that track a lot. Um, There's also a track with um, Chipzel, who did the music for Super Hexagon, and um, Minami uh, Matsume, who is, she wrote the music to the original Mega Man game. So, yeah. like, and a bunch of other Mega Man scores. Uh, also, I looked her up because of this. She did the original Mega Man when she was 23. Yeah. So anyway. So take that, everyone who's made anything. <laughs> um, anyway, it's uh, it's a super interesting album. We can play like a little snippet for you right now. We totally did. We, just did. we, did. we totally did. Nice snippet. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you can check it out. It's it's like 12 tracks. It's got a bunch of just a ton of names from across all sorts of games and game history. And you can check it out at... Did you mention that the guy who made the Spelunky music is on this? Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Chris's... Chris's uh, the composer on The Great Game is also featured. Um, <laughs> but you can check it out at bravewave.net. Um, and thanks to those guys for sponsoring. Which actually reminds me that we should also thank... Uh, we should thank them because they're helping us out a lot. We've... Um, we're now our advertising has changed hands. We like as you guys have noticed since we came back from the Kickstarter ages ago, we've occasionally had ads on the show, and um, we now actually have 
an advertising like network who's helping us out. They're called the Midroll. Um, I think they do ads for all like indoor kids and the Nerdist stuff. They uh, do some stuff with Giant Bombcast, and they've been helping us find some advertisers and some sponsors, which has been super good. But it's why there were two this week and why they are um, new and weird. Yeah, they're the best. They're like in the like <clears throat> when we talk about stuff, it's because we generally think there's something interesting to say about it or we're working with good people who are treating us well and they are one of those people for sure yeah and ads are definitely allowing us to be super stress-free about how we run the podcast and think about interesting things we want to do in the future and thanks to them and to you and to you chris oh thanks sean you chris oh you son of a bitch (laughs) you did it to get it back that robot ate that Eucharist. That, was the, that was your most mourned loss of 150 was the. i know it was still just like it was just like it's like going out and like having a great night with your buddies and it's like the most epic best night ever and just thinking about it for years and then you go out with those same buddies later and they all like have girlfriends and kids and they're tired and it's the middle of the week and you're like let's get shots let's like recreate that night and you, so everybody does a shot and they hate it and then it's just like, yeah, we did it. But no, that was that's like, how that's how it felt to <laughs> bring that joke up again. <laughs> uh, Sorry, man. Did you guys ever play Doom? What? Doom? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just want to get us back from the break with a video game <laughs> that we all played. Is that it? Is that all you got? Yeah. I played Lufrausers. Is that similar to Doom? Is that one? Is that a Doom clone? It has fewer colors in it than Doom does, and probably roughly the same amount of like horizontal and vertical pixels. So it's a Doom clone, basically. No, this game is uh, the most recent game from Vlambeer, which is the studio that made Ridiculous Fishing and most recently, kind of Spearhead did. Um, got a game I talked about. Oh, uh, Nuclear Throne, which I liked a lot. Um, Vlambeer is an interesting studio because they tend, it's two guys, two Dutch guys, uh, Rami Ismail and Jean, a, a Dutch man whose name is Dutch and, uh, Merrick Bronstring. Let's just assume, <laughs> let's just assume that it's Merrick Bronstring. Yeah. John, wow, Will, it's cool. like John yeah. Willem, Nijman, Bronstring, Bronstring, Merrick Bronstring, Bronstring. Um, anyway, uh, there is it Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's it. That's it. That's it. We're really um, good at this. We're yeah, we're good at <laughs> podcasting about video games. Um, Thanks, sponsors. He's Dutch. They work. They work with a bunch of different people, um, like on a case by case basis, um, and make games that are really different in a lot of ways. But the things they share in common tend to be that they take a particular mechanic or gameplay idea and just really make it super expressive and super thoroughly. Um, uh, like emblematic of the thing they're trying to capture. So um, Luftrausers is maybe an even more extreme example of that than most of their games. And so this is a game where you play kind of a weird, like kind of for like Nazi evoking air pilot or something. I don't know. Like, like a Red Baron. How would you describe that? Thing, yeah, right? I guess it's like not so much Nazis and more like, kind of weird world war one like kind of red baron stuff um i don't know it actually reminds me of the old dos game the red baron yeah where, that's, that's a closer that's a much closer uh, because you are 
just it's all airplane dogfighting yeah. with this like yeah. flying upside yeah. down and sort of diving around. But this less, game is less Nazi specific and more general Teutonic kind of early century air combat. Yeah. General stuff. But anyway, um, it's not like a it's a fictional setting. It's not like it's an actual thing. But um, but uh, it's super duper limited color palette. Like, this game looks like it only has. I don't know, four to six colors. Yeah, like, it's it, like a Game Boy. It game looks like a Game Boy game, but tinted, sort of uh, like burnt red. Yeah, and like a Game Boy color game. It looks like it actually really. It really looks like you're playing a Game Boy game. Like it, it doesn't have color. Game Boy color, but you're playing yeah. it on a Game Boy color, and you've exactly. chosen the red palette. Yeah, yeah where every, everything so is just like an opacity of a of yeah. one hue. <clears throat> uh, and um, you play it like it's a side view, so side perspective, and it's just a flat plane where you use the uh wazd or arrow keys i guess like whichever like the fence like uh you know like the old it's the same perspective as like an old arcade game defender or something it's like a yeah, side yeah, scroller yeah it's yeah, a, yeah so it's side scrolling it's like um, the classic game red baron yeah and um i'll just keep saying that. <laughs> that's fine and the thing that's cool about it is that i remember it kind of was i remember it was sort of a thing that was fashionable for a while to describe like action movies or games as like balletic. I think the matrix kind of ushered that in, you know, people would describe gunplay as like yeah. being like a ballet or something. Right. Or like um, during the crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Yeah. Era. That, that too. Yeah. And this, this really feels like that to me in a way that I think is more powerful than a lot of the stuff that started to get described that way was like the controls are incredibly simple. This, this is the part of it that is very much, in Flambeer's wheelhouse is to take something that's very simple, which in this case is just all the controls are like move around in, you know, four directions or like diagonals um, and, or let go of movement to stall, which is just the absence of, of, of that input um, fire your weapon or not be firing your weapon. And the reason it's, it's like worthwhile to point out that not pressing an arrow key or not firing your gun is actually like significant input is because they both have very, like they're both really important pieces to the feeling of this game, which is not the case in most games that look like this. Like in, in most games that are top-down shooters or side-scrolling shooters, not if you have an, a gun that fires infinitely, which in loop browsers you do, like there's no ammo count in it, at least not in any gun that I've unlocked yet, um, not firing is usually not really a choice unless there's like an overheating mechanic, which in this game there's not. Um, you actually technically have infinitely... Um, regenerating health it's just you only regenerate when you're not firing your gun um and so that is that's quite significant and then stalling is really cool because since you're in the air but you're not it's not a spaceship or something like you're you're in low to the ground uh air combat stalling is a really important evasive maneuver but because the game is so over the top it's not it doesn't feel as uh significant as it does in like a real flight sim or anything that's trying to model like physics in any real way. It's just another method you can use in this like graceful manipulation of your craft. And so you're constantly like weaving in and out of these just sprays of bullets and like crashing directly through other planes because you know that if you'll regen, yeah, Yeah. that, that if you stop firing and manage to evade bullets long enough, you'll regen. And so that becomes part of this loop. Like the thing that's so great about being able to crash through uh, other planes is that it allows you to not have to suddenly like um, interrupt your 
cool trajectory because of a collision. And so it allows you to really focus on like maneuverability and evading uh, enemy fire and like putting yourself in, in a position to pull off like, you know, a cool five kills in a row kind of dive or something or like uh, um, want to run on like an aircraft carrier that's in the ocean beneath you. Um, it's just a really, really, really good exploration of kind of unconstrained aerial uh, combat movement. It's I, I, I'm really impressed by Vlambeer because they managed to take things this simple and just wring every little last bit of depth out of it. Like it's a, it's a really impressive game design skill because it's just, it's, it's, it's not how most games are either on the like triple A side, which, you know, these days tend to be super content heavy or on the sort of indie stripped down thing, which tend to either be like really simplistic and um, kind of more about something more elemental and representational, like, uh, like impressionistic or something like a roguelike or whatever, where there, there's like lots and lots and lots of things that are all feeding into this crazy system. Um, their games have the level of mechanical input of like a mobile game or something, or like an old arcade game, but they even refer to themselves as arcade game developers. I think, like, yeah, I think totally. that they take the ethos it's just that of like super polished old arcade games yeah. and are trying to push it. Absolutely. Into modern it's just times. that they explore that stuff to such at least to, to, to me, it feels to me, and I, I'm sure lots of people who are, I guess, more conversant with kind of classic arcade games may disagree. But, like, based on the arcade games I used to play like when I was a kid, it just feels like they're just more evolved, which makes sense because it's, you know, 20 years later or whatever. But they their games feel so, so, so tightly tuned and so... Um, and also their art goes their art amplifies the tightness of yeah. the mechanical of like the, the movement tuning and the feedback tuning in a way that old arcade games I think just probably couldn't afford to do, but right. also just never did. Yeah. Like and just, all, yeah. Even the, what little I've played of this game, just the movement of the plane, you just feel it hard. It's really nice. Yeah. It's super good. It's super duper fun. So this is Loof Rousers and it's the sequel to a game called Loof Rouser, which was, um, I think just a web-based mm -hmm. thing that is Loof Rousers actually really just, fun. It's on their website. They actually yeah, have it embedded in the Loof Rousers the demo website. Now. And it still communicates the feeling, the the general feeling of uh, of really interesting and compelling movement that the new game has, but I would still like, I, and I, but I would still highly recommend the new one. Like I, for whatever reason, the stuff they added to it, I I thought this was very complimentary, and I I you know I played the old version for a bit, and then I just said you know whatever I'll just I'll just get this new game, and it's so good, it's just so 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 good. I think I kind of want to talk about quadrilateral cowboy for a minute. I know, I. I feel like we ourselves are going to get super saturated on it because we talked about it a ton in episode 150, which got erased. And then we talked to Tom Francis about it a little bit. But since we talked to Tom, I got a chance to actually play through a piece of it. And um, I've become kind of obsessed with it. Um, we've talked about this. We talked about it. Ages ago, I think, when Brendan first announced it. It's a game where you play as... Oh, a, we talked about it on Idle Thumbs 150. We talked about it on 150. We talked about it last week. We've talked about it a million times. It's a game by Brendan Chung of Blendo Games, uh, who you might know from Adam Zombie Smasher or Flotilla or um, his sort of first-person spy weird narrative experiment things, uh, Gravity Bone and 30 Plates of Loving. Um, quadrilateral, quadrilateral Cowboy, a game name I cannot pronounce. 
is a game it, it follows in that first person thing but in this you play as a computer hacker in the 1980s uh, you're inside of a virtual you're planning heists in virtual reality where you enter into these sort of simulated buildings and you've got a, a deck that you can drop down uh, which is just an old briefcase computer you can log into a terminal in it and program simple commands to unlock doors and uh stop laser beams and do other sort of security system stuff um i played through a little bit of it and uh it's i don't know what to say other than it just completely got its hooks into me like i've been looking at this game at shows we've talked about it on thumbs i've watched people play it before and i i guess this isn't really a spoiler because it's just a tiny bit of the way into the game but the first three challenges in the game uh introduce you to this hacking mechanic and the very first one you just it's totally risk-free you can you go and you set down your computer and you type in like door three open for three seconds and enter the command. You can go into a door. You can you steal some documents or whatever. Then the second one, it gets a little bit more complicated and you've got to sort of there's a couple different objectives where you it, uh, you pass through a wall that doesn't let you bring your deck in. So you have to learn how to execute a command uh, and then wait and execute a second command so you can have your computer start to run some stuff for you. And then the third challenge, it just says you have sixty seconds to complete the entire previous heist. Um, and the first door that you go in, it makes you drop your deck. And I had been feeling a lot of pushback from the mechanics of doing all this so like terminal-based hacking stuff. But the game just straight up making me do this where like I enter, ended up having to enter like I, – I embellished a little bit. I made it so, like, a little – The significance of it making you drop your deck is that you have to do everything on there before you – Yeah, I, I ran it a couple times and failed the objective a couple times, but then I ended up writing a reasonably fancy program that was like, it, it ended up making me go through this 60 second montage where I felt like I was the most like boss spy in the entire world <laughs> because I was like, okay, that door is going to open now and the laser grid is going to turn off for three seconds now, walk <laughs> past it, it's back online, steal the briefcase and laser grid off. Door open, steal the second briefcase, second laser grid off, skylight open, extraction point. And like, but, uh. So it's just the moment in like every fucking Ocean's Eleven movie or whatever. Yeah. That but, just looks like the most. But like, I did all of it by typing all the ever, commands in. And, uh, yeah. You can, um, since like we played it ages and ages ago, I think Brendan, uh, let us take a look at it. And since then, there's one simple thing that got added, or at least that I didn't know about, which is and that I saw people doing a GDC is there's a beep command. So in between your, uh, in between your code calls, you can make it beep. It's so good because then I can be like, door's going to open and you just hear boop now. And like <laughs> I said, different tones of beeps for like when the lasers were going, I got all into making it just be like the most, uh, just like, just fucking tasty scenario yeah, in the right. world where I could just be this douche who just strolls past all the security cameras as they turn off, as walk, all grab stuff, walk up back onto the roof, fold up my computer and walk away silently and nothing ever saw me. Oh my God. And then after that, the game just goes completely nuts where you're like managing multiple characters and all sorts of crazy stuff. But just that where I was like, okay, this is kind of like tedious and I'm not, okay, never mind. Fuck it. This is the craziest thing that I've ever experienced. And uh, now all that I want is to play that game forever. Um, I, yeah. a, a thing, a sort of fairly subtle thing that I really like about the beeps, and I, I feel like I know exactly why he put this into the game, both as a developer of the game and for a player's um, benefit, is that it the beep, being able to like just 
insert like a beep command anywhere in any point along the chain in your string actually reminds me more of writing code than like any other part in the game does because everything being able is to like, print debug commands basically. exactly it's yeah. like being able to put debug commands because most of the game is just issuing commands the same way you would in like when you navigate dos which in itself isn't really programming it's just sort of navigating a like a text parser but but when you think of it in terms of having to string it all together into essentially a program that and then actually needing to debug that program because you need to be able to like adjust timing here or there like adjust the sequence like it's still not really like it, it, crazy program in like the most true sense really i guess but like it's it basically is it's the thing that made it feel like i was debugging a heist routine and not like i was failing a mission because you yeah, can yeah, run yeah. you can i sort of executed that final plan in two stages first yeah. i just ran the code and just looked at the deck and didn't even look out into the world at what was happening like i just looked at the in world computer screen and it ran through it it doesn't compile and then output errors it actually tries to run it in real time so it'll like you'll hear a door open and close and a beep happen and then it'll just go uh invalid command but then it's it doesn't fail. It just executes okay, your yeah, next yeah, command. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I just watched my shitty heist run through a couple times. And then even then I ran through it. It just it, fucking robo rallied it where everything just keeps cascading yeah, into. But more, then, like, then I ran master. it in the actual room and I heard like, I heard beeps and the doors open. And then I just heard like, boop, boop, two back to back. Like, fuck, one of my commands ah, just yeah, failed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I was awesome. in the middle of a heist and the alarm went off and the machine gun shot me and I got pulled out of the simulation, but it wasn't like I died. It was just like, Oh, my code is bad. My heist right. is not accurate. Yeah, yeah. That's so and then cool. I modified the code, ran back, the heist yeah. again. And then the satisfaction of doing that, like, it felt, I mean, I completed the objective in the game, but it also had the feeling of, like, sweet, when the real guy does this, like... It's going to be perfect. He's gonna, Yeah, we got yeah. it. It's yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. It was a flawless plan. Like, yeah. it was, it was a, a very That's nice, awesome. specific feeling. And yeah. the other thing I was saying about development is I can totally imagine that feature. I, it could have come either way, right? It could have come out of playtesting, but I could also almost more easily like it's a real see debug command. as, like, yeah, Brendan is needing this. Like, he's when you're designing levels, especially when you're designing levels for a game with really intricate systems. You need to just fucking test shit constantly. And it's like, I, I would imagine that from his standpoint, he probably went crazy trying to design rooms that were challenging, but also, you know, need to work. Like it needs right. to be doable without being impo- like too, too difficult. And then also, um, Tynan Wales is also helping him out on a design site. I don't know which of those guys is doing more of the like level design stuff, but I'm, I'm, I could very easily imagine Brendan adding that feature because it was as useful as a developer of the game, and then it being a trivial task to just yeah add it into the game's you know. Play I have no idea when this game's going to come out, but it was it was very interesting how much it felt like actual work and not like I was playing a game for so long. Like the even even though it was still like I'm wandering around and sneaking around and doing all these spy like things, it was an intensely work like feeling for some of this stuff. Like the trial and error actually feels yeah. like developing a scenario, but then the payoff at the end was so strong. Yeah. That well, it, that's like what Brendan, I forget if this was on the po- real podcast or on the destroyed podcast, but like Brendan was talking about how incredibly rewarding it was to see these like little kids play it and just have the most intense look on their face for like 15 minutes as they kind of puzzle through a level and then just be so pleased with themselves once it all worked out yeah i'm I'm eager to get into the later stuff when you're managing multiple characters because i feel like that feeling that i got of watching everything just basically orchestrate itself even though i still had to play the part of the human in the heist imagining that going on with the like ghost recordings of the three other characters that i've played and just like seeing it i don't know it successfully built a one-man oceans 11 montage so i'm really all that I want is to see what happens when it builds a two, three, four man, one of those. Anyway, uh, 
There's not a whole lot more to say because I have no idea when that game's coming out or when Brendan's going to show more after what he showed at GDC. But yeah, I was pleased to go back and get a chance to actually like sit down with with the version that he was showing. Yeah, totally. Anyway, cool. Yeah, games, games, computer games, mm. games in which you operate a computer. Yes, quad cow computer video games. Like a CVG podcast. Like um, Doom. Hmm? <laughs> like Doom. <laughs> I was going to make him betrayer, but I don't think I am. That's <laughs> or, fine. I don't know what to say about it. Yeah. Doom. I want to. I don't want to talk about Doom. Again, where's Again, JP LeBren when you need yeah. him? Doom was the first like real multiplayer game that I played, though. I actually had a friend bring another computer Man, over. And I never played that thing. We, we plugged a uh, null modem serial cable between the two computers and they just pretended to dial up to each other over a land that was basically two serial cables and it was so fucking fun it that was mind-blowing to me and uh yeah was it more mind-blowing than quadrilateral cowboy <laughs> i think i didn't pointless questions <laughs> yes or no jake answer the question that's really hard to know because my mind at the time that doom came out was not was more blowable it, it, it was more easily blown it also yeah it didn't it didn't know what it didn't know to the degree that like quadrilateral cowboys well, no probably probably a bigger mind. So explosion. you your mind moved from Colin Powell at the UN to Donald Rumsfeld <laughs> post Iraq invasion. I would say that's accurate. I mean, when you when I played Doom Where's multiplayer for the first time, it was just like, oh, this is probably what a computer can do because I got this game and it says you can do it. Oh, we did it. I guess what you can do with games is plug two computers into each other and then run around a 3D world and kill each other. Mm-hmm. Turns out people have been really, doing it for that's really what you can that's do in really games. Basically what you do. That is their chief. That's their their that's chief what, purpose. That's what they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's. I don't want to talk about quadrilateral cowboy much more. You want to talk about blast core? <laughs> what is your deal tonight? <laughs> I only played blast. The core only game I played I this it. week like gave me a fucking panic attack. Was it blast core? No, it was Betrayer, because Betrayer doesn't feel done to me. Yeah. Yeah. What is Betrayer? Betrayer is a game from a very great group of designers. Uh, Chief among them, Craig Hubbard, from games such as No One Lives Forever. And Fear. And Fear. So, Steve Gaynor's Hot Jams, Mm -hmm. his favorite games. And I was really excited about it. Uh... It's an it was an alpha funded game from their new studio called Black Powder. It's set in the 1600s in sort of like a Roanoke style, like uh, early American colony, and you wake up on the coast of America, yeah. <laughs> I guess, and wander into the down a path into the woods towards I guess what our colonies, and then are beset by like basically demonic conquistadors uh there's combat there's sneaking around some adventure gaming style mechanics but it's all sort of shrouded there's also like a lot of narrative content you pick up in there it seems like yeah notes a lot of notes a lot of notes and so much about the game just doesn't feel like it was finished to me um it was really sort of enlightening though without getting i mean i think i should probably keep playing it for uh myriad reasons and See that? See, you guys didn't fucking turn on me. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah, it is. I know. I researched it. Um, But it was really crazy to see a game that uh, just feels unfinished 
be out. It also came out with very little fanfare this week. Uh, it had been out on early access. Yeah, it had been out on. Yeah. But it was actually just like it was an EA their game. beta. Yeah. But going into the into the forums and oh, watching God. the community that's, that's grown up around this game, like five full seconds, dude. That's what people call it in the forums. Really? I mentioned they it earlier. It yeah, the Steam game? community calls them like this is. The, oh, this is the problem with EA. You know, it's like you know you start, you get into an early, a beta and blah blah blah. I'm like, what? EA did not publish this game. That's where I was for like a yeah, solid yeah, ten yeah, minutes. Yeah. I thought I like because Jake was sort of smirking as he said it. Yeah, because Jake's like, a smirker. Is that an electronic arts joke? Like, I don't. Is that a, no, like, no. No, I, just, I was obviously referring to early access. Games. I know, I but it's also never... mind-boggling. This game was early access because it's a linear content-driven, like first-person shooter, basically. Right. Um, like it's its value is in its for is in the first experience of the content. It's not a roguelike. It's not like a builder. Um, a builder. It's not anything like it's like not an RPG. Survival game or yeah. Um or anything like that. There are like systemic combat systems that are, I mean, the AI in the game is really poor. It's just not great, but there are things like the wind blows. And then during that time you can sneak around better. So it feels like it does have like definite, like, like roots in the style of first per- of immersive sim that, uh, someone like Steve might love. But so much about the game is just wide open areas that don't really feel purposeful and sort of have a dearth of content and a lack of density that feels inappropriate for a game that isn't doing a lot on the combat side. Um, yeah, it's it was distressing to me as someone who makes games. So that's why I had a panic attack. It's like, gosh, like it just feels like, well, you ran out of time, money, or you didn't care anymore. <laughs> but obviously they cared. So yeah. something well, happened. Like really it, good people involved. Yeah. It's always weird when you see a game that feels like, man, there, yeah, was there probably- actually is a ton of care in, in parts of that game. And then it feels, feels like something stopped somewhere. Yeah. But for, I'll for keep playing reason. it. So you can check it out. It's like, I think it's like 18, 17 bucks right now. Um, I bought it from their website. But you can get it on Steam. It's called Betrayer. So I can build an Unreal. Yeah. Probably cut a lot of Betrayer stuff out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you guys want to read a, a mail? Mail what? Electronic mail. Is that related to like an EA mail? Uh, no, it's it's um. This is an early access mail. It's a gen, it's a, it's a it's a um like a male version of that like pole dancing robot that we were looking at earlier. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Actually, if that existed, I would find it less abhorrent. It does exist, and it is abhorrent. No, he's like no. no you find the, the man male dancer version. less problematic. Yeah, the male dancer, one. The male one. If it had like little cuffs, yeah, and no, little cuffs and like a greased right, up chest. At least, yeah. I don't on, know. The, that shit cracks me up so God. much. So what? So if it's like Jude Hold Law on, and AI, we need to make a reference to what this is. If oh, this is what, what did Jake just do? I guess. I mean, there's basically a pole dancing, like like animatronic style robot. robot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bad thing. It's, it's really not bad. good. No, it's it's really also terrible. It's everything. It's about one of the it worst. It's one of the worst it's so things. Distressing to watch. It's one of the worst things I've seen that exists under the pretense of entertainment that is not 
ultra bannable the moment you see it. Right, that's true. Yeah. And furthermore, isn't actually doing anyone physical, like apparent physical harm. Right. So it exists yeah, in yeah, this yeah, place yeah. where like I, nothing can be done about it because it's produced in the auspices nothing of art. Nothing can be done about it from like YouTube's end, for example. Like there, it can be, yeah, down. right. It's like yeah. on what grounds? Just it being the worst yeah, is basically really the box you want to check. Electronic, like lady wearing. I guess, like, just sort of like a pinkish, like, 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 like maid's outfit. Like, it's like it has like lingerie, like, yeah, outfit like thing. huge stiletto heels. Yeah, it's a stripper. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's just a robot. Bad. It's a robot it's a stripper, stripper lady. With, like, she a doesn't pole, take her clothes off. She just a, dances. It's, it's not a she. It has a pole coming out of his chest that goes into a mirror. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, it is representative a of a she, though. Yes, but yeah. it also has like. Grease stains. There's grease stuff. stains all over it, which likely is just because it's the it defective robot, like, and it's wearing a fucking just weird like look, plague doctor mask or yeah, something. Yeah, like But it, what is <laughs> where? Why? I don't know. Someone said it to me on YouTube. It said, "Here's a robot news." I said, Whoa. "That's not robot news. That's fucking news. That's psychological terrorism." That's just yeah. That's just, this is it's what, a robot. This, it, this is what's it's not on. news. This is the solution. they wanted journalism school. No, it's from the salacious. <laughs> Like weird <laughs> shitty magazine on the newsstand when the when the robots it. take yeah. over, it's just right. This actually this actually looks oh, like the robots GIF. that Bender pays money to in Futurama. Yeah, exactly. yeah this this yeah. GIF would be representative of a magazine that had a blackened blacked out cover in robot right. times. In robot, robot time. Yeah. <laughs> God, do we want to talk about Facebook and Oculus? Is there anything to talk? Well, about? Oh fuck yeah, we do. Now I forgot. Yeah, I'd forgotten about oh, it. My God, we're just we're all over the map tonight. All over the map. It's so – I mean I kind of summed it up when we were like going like bonkers over it earlier in the office. But like it's just a product that I had never considered as being part of a, like a worldwide ad company's portfolio. It just felt so – it felt like consu- a consumer electronic – that was John geared, Carmack as their CTO. Like yeah, that, the, this is computer entertainment. It doesn't blend in with Facebook, in the year twenty. Like, yeah, as just too, like if somebody's like computer entertainment in the year twenty fourteen, Oculus Rift, not like. But if like Facebook is not that. It is a like social media platform slash advertising platform slash like networking tool, right? Slash game platform slash 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 slash. The least, the last thing I would think about it as like a computer entertainment product. I also, I mean, obviously Facebook's also not a product; it's a service. Um, ugh, man, it's really weird. It just, it's an almost impenetrable move. I mean, you can there's immediate crass places you can jump to, like oh, there's going to be ads and Oculus Rift, ones, right? Yeah, like uh, you like, play Mortal Kombat with a friend in Vietnam. You can, <laughs> can do that <laughs> thanks yeah. to the social graph. Do your shopping at home. You could do that too. What else? What else we got? Uh, I mean, the things that like I was like <laughs> are like book from the internet. Like okay, <laughs> like fuck Facebook Messenger chat. Fuck all except I just bought WhatsApp. Like fuck all the the stuff that's like right now. Like let's build the platform towards. Oh hey, we have integrated hardware with our like content partners with our software partners on the platform, and we're gonna say. Oh, you want to watch a Netflix movie with your girlfriend who lives 4,000 miles away? Like, you guys can put on the Oculus, see each other to your right and your left, and then see the movie screen 
in front of you. Like you're sitting that in like a so theater. It's so different than anything you expect Facebook to be targeting though. I don't Facebook doesn't feel like a target they target anything to me the way they feel like the blob. You know what I mean? It feels like yeah. you just sort of like collide with I it. They're like, this is ours now. The thing that's They're like getting into Google territory. I don't know if that's it's their menagerie of bullshit. Facebook has still, with the exception of ah, I would say Facebook by and large has been connective tissue that then they stick ads on. I mean you can host your right. you can host your photos and videos on there. You don't think about Facebook as the home of your photos and videos. You think about Facebook as you the, should. You you should, but the way that they yeah. set up, you think about Facebook as the place where people connect over the memories that those photos represent. Right. You don't like you don't think about Facebook photo archiving the way you think about Flickr. Right. You think about Facebook as like or you did think about it, Flickr, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. If Facebook is thought. I always think of it as like the weird social crossroads of stuff, right. which is kind of what. What are the other big Facebook acquisitions of the past few years? Instagram. Instagram. They, by the way, I just looked this up just now. They spent half as much on Instagram as they did on. Oculus. Yeah, they spent a billion on Instagram, which was a huge thing. At but they the also time. they spent nine times more on WhatsApp. I know it's just than crazy. They spent on Oculus. I think Facebook's capital with which to make acquisitions has gone I, up, and I know, also the numbers, the value of the shit has inflated no, wildly. It too. has. Well, I know, but but I just everything in between Instagram and now has all been like chump change compared to except WhatsApp. WhatsApp and that's what I'm saying. WhatsApp yeah. and Oculus, but like it's not as though they're I. I looked this up for that reason. I was wondering, are they just making like billion dollar acquisitions left and right? And they're not. It doesn't seem anyway. Like it's crazy to me that this is their second most. I know. It makes you wonder what the heck expensive acquisition ever possibly. What's that? Maybe Mark Zuckerberg is just like us. He's our exact age. Maybe he's one year older than me. He's the future Carmack. Maybe one year older than me. Maybe he's like, God, you know what's sick? (laughs) Rift. I don't know. Board of directors. I could see me doing that. Buy this headset. I could see me being a little crazy like that. WhatsApp is another one that people jumped to a ton of conclusions over where it was like, oh, they're just buying it for the expanded social graph. But then people pointed out... The technology of WhatsApp is really strong. The way that WhatsApp works in like, yeah. the developing world and does also... It's like WhatsApp does crazy... like is used in crazy scenarios that have nothing to do with how anyone uses Facebook. Yeah. But, especially in markets that aren't this one. But... Yeah. The, Still 19 billion. <laughs> the thing that bummed me out about the entire thing was people who were mad at it because they were Kickstarter backers. That basically just pissed me off and i don't want to i know i saw you and chuck getting all uppity about that on on twitter and i think it's forgivable in that like people when you back something as a kick uh, as a kickstarter you get emotionally invested i know but they're just getting their emotions out i know people that that part of it is fine people being annoyed is fine Notch saying I didn't give them ten thousand dollars that could get bought by Facebook, but that's not. But also, I that's feel like the extreme. That quotation, right? Though. But that quotation was couched in a in a like thousand word, twelve hundred word blog post that I think is worth reading. That I think is actually inside of the context of his blog post. Uh, it's it's disappointment yeah. and frustration over all of what it means. But, yeah. But um, you know, it's but, just sort of like, it's not what I think what he's saying that is just sort of like, I didn't envision when I was a Kickstarter backer that I was helping build the value of a company towards their acquisition I know. In a portfolio that, and he probably is kicking himself for that. Not necessarily. I know. And he, in, in, in this blog post, it feels like he doesn't. He actually says, like, congratulations to Oculus. Congratulations to Facebook. This is a great buy. Like, good job. You bought a fucking cool company with rad people in it. I just think what you do is stupid. And I'm really looking forward to your competitors. I just hope that people's takeaway isn't Facebook buying companies is, is fucked up. I hope that people's takeaway is you could have all caught this sooner as backers of this. 
by noticing that this was an impenetrable. Am- an amalgamation of 10 venture capital firms invested 90 plus million dollars in Oculus and that made the yeah. news all over the place. Gaming sites didn't report on it because it wasn't Facebook, the same way that people rate EA as the worst company of the year because they're the easy scapegoat in the gaming community. Facebook they is got a knocked social down games by Time company. Warner this year. Huh? They got knocked down by Time Warner this yeah, year. Yeah, I know, but like, people, <laughs> I know. like, that's me undercutting a this, point for this no reason. This feels yeah. to me like getting up in arms because Facebook is the company that made Farmville popular. That, like, it feels like. I agree with you on that. It one. feels like being reactionary towards Flappy Bird because it has Mario pipes in it. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's yeah. stepping on our turf. Right. Whereas the turf was stepped on like a year ago. When Silicon Valley firms all dropped, you know, picking at your shoe, of, and it's really however well. many millions of dollars, it's yeah. you know, yeah, it's whatever it is, eighteen times the value of the Kickstarter, yeah, you know, or whatever the some huge number, um, and that's that's the part that's frustrating. Where it's like, oh, what do you mean they sold the Facebook? We, I, I invest, you know, what? Yeah, you, you, you should- know, had they sold to like, um. I do think it's it's context specific. Like, it's, I mean, I'm not it's, saying that they have. It's an intense like, destination. I'm also, for yeah, them. I'm also. I'm also not saying that Oculus like owes it to their Kickstarter backers to not sell it to Facebook and sell it to like a better fit or anything like that. Like, had they sold out? Like, had EA bought them? People would have lost their minds four times more. Less, I think less. No I way. Think people, less. People, There's still a part of EA. You're like, yeah, they make games. It's funny because <laughs> I'm more comfortable with Facebook owning oculus than ea because my assumption immediately if ea bought oculus would be that the rift, origin only the rift would yeah. become a first party yeah. peripheral yeah. of course it would be yeah, yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. a fucking tony that hawk skateboard controller actually, but for me it's like yeah. it would actually it, be worse for people who play games for ea to buy it because at least facebook buying it probably just takes it out of the conversation of like who gets it either takes it, it out of the conversation in, or it means that we're going to see it come back as a general purpose device that also can play games, which is probably less focused for the things people it's want. It's funny, though, because none consoles of these, aren't going to have it. Probably, no service so. Sony's got their own, yeah. though. Well, Sony has their own, but it's, I'm just saying – I'm talking about Oculus specifically. I'm saying, I'm saying any one solution. <laughs> the thing is I don't think there was ever going to be any one solution. I think that, that's, that's, where the, that's where this that's, is all that's really true. interesting to me is that like just obviously yesterday before this was announced – Oh, the whole story was like, oh, Sony's announcing one, Oculus is announcing one. There's all there's going to be competition in the space. Maybe VR is finally going to take is, off. Yeah. And then Facebook buys Oculus. Fuck, VR is fucked. VR is fucked. Like, it's actually I think no, VR, no, no. I don't think VR. I think VR is fine. I think it's actually. But that's what the, the winner in all of this is fucking Sony, because they announced one at that they at. GDC yeah. that people actually thought was good. Project Morpheus, which someone <laughs> asked, someone asked, what is Project Morpheus? Like, I, I think the answer was a Matrix reference. No, the answer was like, oh, we came up with that like two days ago because we had to announce this, which is hilarious. That's actually good. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We really wanted Reddit to post a bunch of uh, "What if I told you" meme images about Project Morpheus. What's funny though is like none of these service ba- like service based mega corporations like well, I guess Google and Facebook in specific. Have been able to bring any hardware to market in a way that's at all like, like impactful. Uh, Android, Android. Sorry, it's software. The internet. Uh, it is except that the best Android phones now are all based on the the Nexus the, template hardware, which is Google's. Yeah, but they're still all being built by Samsung. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. Like, that means they're they're marketing now. Google they're Glass. Selling... <laughs> Those shuttle buses. God, I saw a guy eating a burrito wearing Google Glass, and he was eating it by himself, and he's wearing his Google Glass, and it was just so fucking funny to me that I was walking down the street, and it was right by GDC, it was at that Chipotle, right there on 4th Street, and I was walking through the and I looked over, and he just had this angry face on, and I just went, <laughs> ah! 
like that. <laughs> That's the noise I made, and I was like, "Oh my god, that was Google out loud." Glass. Google Glass. He was wearing it alone. It does Google eating Glass. food. I feel like God. <laughs> it. My brain reacts so weirdly to Google Glass because it really does. I hate it. My brain actually crawls into a different part of my skull when yeah, I see it. Like I it tries like to it, escape. I feel like it actually. So okay, we know from just reality, right? That everyone has, like. Not every, I mean, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how true this is in a literal sense, but like we know that humans can be very influenced by like sort of class prejudices and like racial prejudices and gender prejudices and blah 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 blah. Like we know this, right? But like you know, I think most of us like to think that we suppress those things right. as best we can, thanks to like empathy and education and like trying to do better in our lives. I trying can't, to be an evolved person. Yeah. yeah. Google Glass I can't is, see past is not like any of those because it's no. entirely adopted. And maybe for that reason, I can't stop myself from like just – You just see you're just like, fuck I you. go into like tribal mode. Yeah. Like it's not even a matter of like making individual assumptions about the person in question. It's like that person is them. Like that person is like – Let's see. I don't that, go that like, far, but class, I go like, okay, I go okay. I know, this, I know this person like – chose to wear this right now. That's still you fighting against it, though. I know this person chose to wear this right now, but why would they do that? There's got to be a reason. Why? This is what I'm saying. I'm externalizing what my brain does, but I'm not thinking that consciously. I'm not actually putting them into, like, a group literally in my brain, but I feel the sensation of, like, they're the ones who are, like, marching in. Right. You feel the part of your mind and of your person that tries to be above that stuff, like, shuffling so much coal in and it can't fucking get yeah, the fire hot yeah, enough yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. really it's really tough it's, yeah. it's, it, it does it because me, yeah like you, they which, are a person you know, they have elected right. to wear this weird thing on but for case. me that's like a strike against them you know what i mean it's like yeah, you're wearing obviously. you've chosen like, this like but it, and i mean also i will point out the obvious fact that like the fact that google glass is my example of that means i'm pretty fucking lucky right i don't have real yeah. shit in my life that a lot of people also, do but like it's at least not of that type but like the moment uh, Google Glass looks like the pair of glasses you're wearing right now is the moment this becomes moot and fucked and totally weird. And even more accurate, though. Because, because, then because it will be a weird, like, Iron Fist to Velvet Glove situation yeah, right. where there are just people who have a weird augmented brain attached to their face and you can't see it. It's You'll all- be able to tell. <laughs> It'll look like this fucking guy who's eating the burrito. They'll always be looking He's had one of those faces. And I was walking <laughs> and I was doing, What are you doing? No, no. What are you doing? No, I need to say this out loud it, for everyone. I need to say he had one of those faces. What do you mean those faces? I'm saying I was walking and had he not been wearing Google Glass, I would have looked you over. Known? And I would have you saw that guy. No, 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 I'm not him. done. I am not done. I would have would have walked by and I would have saw that guy eating his burrito and I've been like, that guy's got quite the sourpuss. That's what I would have said to myself. <laughs> That's what I said. But instead you're like He's one of those. No. I looked over, and because he had that, like, I just, I'm fucking pissed, and I'm eating my fucking burrito. Like, he, <laughs> he was s- mad at something he saw on Twitter in his eye. Maybe. Because I saw him just sort of, like, just I know what he was mad about. All pursed up. He yeah. was mad that it was reported amongst Google Glass enthusiasts that Larry Page was at TED giving a talk on stage and was not wearing Google Glass, which people think means that he has lost faith in Google Glass oh, as a shit. thing. So he was eating his burrito. That just okay, so okay, that's makes fine. It, okay, that, that's just fine. Say, that still my, supports my, perce- my fucking I, statement. My per- now my perception of that group of people is now just even more firmly in the camp of like weird, like potentially displaced elites, where it's like the favor they once had an agreement. From, like, right, like now they see the we writing on the wall, and they see that like the revolution is coming, and now they're like God. scheming and should have turned around. And there's this like, like 
some like lettuce and guacamole and this Google Glass broken and in, in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't care if I'm technically renting this. I think, I think you are. I think they work. They're sixteen hundred bucks. Yeah, I thought that I've only seen one person in the history of Google Glass wear them, and me think that it was fine. And it was my buddy Morgan because he's a psycho. He's a psychopath. He's got pigtails and and is nuts. Also, you, someone you know, so you're and I know him, and I wear it, and I'm like, that's like, perfect. Counteract, yeah, it's absolutely perfect. Um, anyway, this has gone on. <laughs> Hold on, I just want to segue into a bit of reader mail. We're, we can probably wrap this up about pretty the soon. But this Oculus is thing. Oh, we, is, we can go back to that. Oh wait, this. are we not done? You can keep going. Nah, I mean, we can mark this second. You can go into your Oculus. Oculus is fucking done. Like that's it. A bunch of people are gonna make good salaries at Facebook for a while, and that's fucking it. The end. Prognostication. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Uh, so Mayumi Matayoshi writes, greetings from Double Robotics. <gasps> Is this? It was great hearing your email read on your podcast, episode 148 and 149. By the way, I am a girl. You kept referring to me as a he in 149. Oh, sorry, we fuck. We're the fuckers. worst. I'm staring at... Never mind. <laughs> what? We can say You're it looking on the longingly. frequency sticker on our window? Yeah, but the way I was saying it was going to make it sound like I put it there to remind myself not to be a shitbag. Oh. But it's just there because but it's just we hung on the you you realize your mistake. Like the and then also <laughs> that sticker burned into your brain. I mean, in its defense, it is right. I mean, my defense, nobody's defense. <laughs> it is right above a sticker called "Video Games Hot Dog," which is a hot dog coming out of a joystick that looks like a penis. So a, I mean, only in the way that hot dogs do, which is exactly. God. Anyway, we're, so if you're looking for the worst people on earth, so, so if we weren't terrible, we would be better people. You should listen to video games, hot dog. Right? That's that's oh a hypothetical. Can I actually? Um, I, can I, oh, we're in the middle of a fucking mail. I'll come back. Remind me that I need to say something about uh, Zach and Kevin from Video Games Hot Dog. Okay. Um, so she writes: Since you guys seem to really want to try it out, we've decided to send you a demo unit so you can try it out. All I need is an address of where we can send it to. Don't worry, we'll pay for shipping both ways. You will have one week to fall in love with our robot. Thanks again, guys. P.S. I thought you should know that Richard Gary at DeCayu has one of our doubles. He's a very cool guy. Mayumi Mariyoshi, double robotics. This is not fucking true. I'm wondering, right? We can get a... We can get the a, thing is, our address is publicly posted, so what do we have to lose? Yeah. This is insane. We are going to get a week of robot testing. This is the happiest I've been in, like, Also, weeks. just for the record, like, her email address is from the double robotic domain. Yeah, so. it's not hackable. Oh, my God. Well, I'm just saying. Oh, this, we'll is, be, this would be a weird hoax. I was this is, but if you were going to prank us, and if you were a reader or of Idle Thumbs... Or going to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> the way to do it That's is true. to say that This is, in fact, being sent for a robotics company. Right. That part, fully accurate. We found we're gonna one... Br- <laughs> I like that we went, like, not even questioning, like, of course we'd bring one of those into our home. <laughs> Why wouldn't we? Oh, this is how it starts. Why wouldn't we? They're robot, like, come here. We come found here. we found come the one kind of robot them. that they're not only kind of entertained by, but innately fascinated by and desire. Yeah, it's like, hello, Jacob. God, I've been programmed just, to avoid danger. Also, I like that we're like <laughs> Google Glass. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, please give us a wheeling segue. Would you have to put the latest iPad inside so that someone else can control it over the internet so they can pretend to be in your room? And this is what we. Crave. Oh, I wanted to. I wanted to be have its own personality. If it doesn't have that, we're fine. No, no, no. If it doesn't roll in and go, show me where you keep the knives. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> you, it, it doesn't work like that. It's, it's, um, I understand how it works. It's a, it's a surrogate. It's like, it's a fucking right. portal. Or the so net, we yeah. think. Because let's say our plan is like Nels works in Canada. 
and we're going to have Nels be in the in the double robotics like remote telepresence or trial. Let's just say it's Nels though, hypothetically. I trust. If Ali. the form also requests Nels's address, got to abort. Because that means <laughs> Nels is getting a second package, which could be the assimilation package. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, well think, so it's just wearing a Nels skin. It job. just beams Nels's it just is Nels's, Nels's telepresence in quotes, yeah. which is his being digitized into this thing. Nels will and Nels ceases to here. exist. What yeah. if Nels just is what if Nels is just inside the double what robotics? If the essence thing? Of Nels like that new just... Johnny Depp movie? Yeah. The, oh yeah, the like essence that. of Nels. Hmm. Where Johnny Depp um like grew a goatee and took up Netrunner. And became a Canadian game developer. Yeah, and then played Netrunner, by the way. Nels yeah. officiated a game of Netrunner between me and Sean. Yeah, we should play one more and then talk about it. Okay, All so right. that's good. You're fine. Double robotics robot. That's not really happening, is it? I don't I don't know, man. I'm just reading. We're writing your back, right? We're gonna write her back. Yeah. I mean, why would we not? Again, our email our address is public. If someone wants to send us an assassin robot, they can do that already. Please don't. I mean, don't probably It's on its way, it's very slow. <laughs> And then as it gets closer, like (laughs) you know, it's just it's it's very. God, you know what the problem is? This is what can I tell you the actual problem? No, no goofs. Is it that we have a carpet? Because I think they can deal with. No, we can move the carpet. The problem is we're gonna like it. The and problem is, it's the same. Fuck. Is this is the woman in front of the Walgreens who hands you the the kitten and says it needs a home. We're gonna like it. In this case, the kitten is a robot. <laughs> Whatever. With Nels is in Ollie's face on it. <laughs> Both of them? Is this, this is like the odd couple? Can we run Hangout on it? Can it just? Can they vie for control? <laughs> they have to play Doge twenty forty eight, and whoever oh, wins gets to control it. <laughs> That's it. That's all you gonna talk about that fucking game on here. What? Just that? No, no, that no. Was it. I gotta hear Chris's Doge twenty four. I think that might be the only reader mail for this episode because we're we're well. That, the, there's no reader mail better than that reader mail. That's probably true. No, if there honest. is, we'll read it next week. Before we go into Doge twenty forty eight, because it's really important that I mention this on the podcast. I said I would. Zach Jake Johnson and Kevin Simmons, who are from Asymmetric and run a little thing called Video Games Hot Dog, a little and thing Kingdom called Kingdom of Loathing, are having a convention in Phoenix, a pinball convention called ZapCon. It is in two and a half weeks. If you are anywhere in the Arizona, Phoenix, Sedona, whatever, desert <laughs> area, you should totally go. I've wanted to go for two years now, but it can never really make it work. But uh, you can find it on the internet. Um, do they own Zapcon.com? I it is Zapcon.com. They, I assume they did, yeah. And It's April I, 12th and 13th. Yeah, I've heard it's a really, really good time. They had a great turnout last year. They said that some Idle Thumbs readers showed up. So, if you are one of them, a reader who goes to this, go say hi to those guys. They share an office with us here. They actually record yeah, in the they studio. Record... They are some of the best people on earth, and their comp- their uh, ZapCon is going to be great, especially if you like pinball. Check it out. And now Doge twenty four. <laughs> and now <laughs> Doge twenty four. Okay, so we talked about regular. I'm really glad I remember to do that on yeah. this podcast right Before? this episode is fully the plug zone where plugs rule by the way if yeah, we were ever curious definitely that was not plug that was friends that was friends that was the friend zone where friends rule and just help each other out and are so supportive zach has a friend than me um have we talked about 2048 i can't yeah we have okay it's we threes but with twos it's threes yeah, but with like twos, twos it's on the internet you can actually beat it by getting a 2048 tile yeah yeah or a mega doge tile 
or Doge. Yeah. So there's a. Ver- I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Nobody does. Gotta go watch that old Homestar cartoon. Dog. Nobody. Re- uh, yeah. Is that where it's from? D O G E being a misspelling of dog is apparently from one of those old Homestar like puppet cartoons where they're working at a computer. Evolution. It's from um, Homestar. Know your meme claims that Doge the misspelling is from Homestar and that then got affixed to huh. that dog meme. Okay. Which was originally not called that. Oh, okay. Also big fans of Wave Wave. Of Wave Wave. <laughs> the Homestar. That's what Homestar loves. Homestar Wave loves Wave, Wave, Wave and Doge. <laughs> what album does he like from Wave Wave? Influx. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Doge 2048 is a version of 2048, except instead of numbers, all the numbers have been replaced with stupid animated, or sometimes animated, sometimes not. Like just Doge gifs. So we're like actually down. We're, we're deep into like the dark Ramo at this point because yeah. the things that you profess to love or that you would prefer that you loved <laughs> are very you know interesting, thoughtful. Just things. rewind and listen to him talk about Lufthausers or whatever. Right, but yeah. I love Lufthausers. Yeah, yeah, that's what but it's, the way you talked about it was quite. Yeah, but it was you but, had you. What your what your brain actually demands, the part of your brain that, that judges glasswearers despite your best interest, <laughs> is shit like addictive slider games and bad internet gifs. So basically you're Okay, so I could take or leave Doge. I'm fine with it. But the thing that is the thing you that love it. is I mean You love sure. when there's that pizza pulsing behind him? Oh it's yeah, I love it. I mean, it. okay, that that's fine. It's lovable. It I'm not against it. But like at all. But Wait, is this going to be like both extents of of Chris Ramo as I know him coming together to discuss 2048 Doge and why it's uh, in fact fascinating to you? I don't. I don't, I don't know. Jake, I can't wait. I'm going to talk about why it's fascinating to me. Uh, but you can be the judge of that. Um, so instead of numbers, like it's as if all the tiles were numbered. It's just that okay, all the ones that are two just have this picture of like a Shiba. Is that the, the Shiba? It's Eno? a Shiba Inu. Correct. Yeah. Um, and like all the ones that would have the number four have this other same picture of a Shiba, like a Shiba Inu. But with and, a different But with treatment. like a pizza or like on a star field or like. <laughs> like ant- pulsing. Or like pulsing. Or, or a pul- like, pulsing pizza. Yeah, or like a pulsing pizza. Um, and, but none of them have numbers. So you don't know which is which. And so like to combine two pictures of the Doge with the star field is like, I'm pretty sure that's going to be the Doge with the pizza. But I'm not really sure. Or is it and the TV so, static doge? Yeah, yeah. And so... Oh, right. The TV static doge. Yeah, yeah. And so... One of the greats. And so it's not really... Oh, the pulsing one is the best. It is when you get there, you know you're in deep. You know you're, you're, yeah, you you're, know you've reached a certain milestone. Although it always... Because there are no numbers... You don't know how much farther you have to go. You don't know how much farther you have to go. And you also... It's also... You can remember kind of generally... Oh, God. I think this one is like ahead of that one. But I forget by how many levels. So a lot of the strategic decisions you would make in like regular 2048 or threes or something get really mushy. And I got to the point in 2048 where I stopped playing it because I could beat it. Like every time I played so it up the challenge with Doge. Well, I wasn't not on purpose, but everyone kept at replying Doge 2048 to me. And the first time I loaded it up, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, this is pretty funny, I guess. But like, I didn't, you know, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't bother. Um, and I can't remember why I started. I think it's Will Armstrong who sits next to me at work like actually started probably not playing in earnest, but like he must've also found the link somewhere and like loaded it up. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Doge 2048. Like I'll load that up. And it actually is like a really fascinating experience. Once you've 
Really oh. internalized. <laughs> <laughs> once, once, once you've really <laughs> internalized the rule set and like strategy necessary to just kind of blaze through 2048, uh, because it it's the same game effectively, except there's just an element of uncertainty and chaos in it that isn't there in the normal in the normal game. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. How did you make that sound? <laughs> um, uh. And it's, I don't know. It just it just gives it a like good spiciness or something. Oh god! I know. I really enjoyed it too. I actually like it more than the regular one because I, I fix it too much on the numbers. Whereas when yeah. I'm allowed to sort of let it sort of slide off my brain a little bit, I actually feel like I do better. Yeah. But also, since there are no numbers, I don't know if I've done better. Yeah. Well, I've also completed those twenty forty eight points. I know. <laughs> What's the final one? Don't, can you spoil it? I can't remember. Oh fuck off. I mean, the thing is, it's probably the, like a sassy dog level, with some lights. The level of impressiveness of the Doge gist to me doesn't always track to how high. I know there are some pretty memorable are. ones early on. Like that pizza yeah. one is intense, which is probably the way to go because it keeps you from burning out. Yeah, too early. Yeah, it adds a little level of mystery because you get to the next one, you're like, ah, that was fine, but I bet yeah. that you know. There's also if I match some more Doges. There's also like Flappy Bird 2048 or like Flappy 2048. Yeah, whatever. Which is not that good. I, People kept linking me to that. It's just not really well to me. Whatever. We're done. I think that we peaked. <laughs> Bye. It's so funny to me. No, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I just think about the games that like we used to talk about when I first came on the podcast. Like, Far I remember Cry 2. Assassin's Creed. Like, <laughs> we're talking about fucking Doge 2048. <laughs> now if you look at the past fucking three years with this guy, Zuma Spelunky, which is hey, a man, good game. Zuma was like early on i know but like apparently to, to, to impress chris you must talk about quadrilateral cowboy or far cry 2 to trap chris you must talk about <laughs> zuma or doge 2048 <laughs> you're an enigma i don't know man i'll put spelunky up with any of that shit that game is good no yeah mm-hmm. yeah a great game <laughs> i'm not backing down on that where can you get spelunky if you wanted to try it out steam Okay. I'm so wait. glad that you said, and this is what's fascinating. Was that, was that a lead into a joke? I don't, know, I don't know what you were asking me. No, I wasn't going anywhere with it. I was just going to, I was put it, I was dangling that worm, seeing where it, see if I didn't bit it. Yeah. See what happens. Good luck ending this podcast. You know, I'm not done. Hold on. I want to talk about other stuff. What if there's an album that has the guy who made music in Sword and Sorcery teaming up with the guy who wrote all the music in the Silent Hill series on the same track? I would say, Jake, you're a fucking liar. I'm not lying. And you would... <laughs> when, how would you prove to me that you weren't lying? Um, you're a fucking liar, Jake. Jake Rodkin. There's this album. No, it's, there isn't. <laughs> there is. How? Is it, how could that be? Some people made it. Who are they? Uh, Jake, if you don't tell me who's on this album that I don't even believe exists, I'm going to kill your family. They're already dead. Because you can't tell me? Or because they actually you. are already dead? No, you can't kill them because there's no one to kill. <laughs> I don't have a family. I don't have a family. <laughs> I'm born a Petri dish. I'm an orphan. <laughs> I'm a Polish orphan. Uh, brainwave.net.